NPR professionals have a complicated relationship. While pitching is a crucial component to a successful media relations plan, many PR professionals are inexperienced on how to properly communicate with the media. When is the best time of day to pitch? Is it rude to pitch over the phone? Well, if you're unsure of the best approaches when speaking to the media, rest assured. Today we are joined by Veronica Dagger, an award-winning Wall Street Journal personal finance reporter who will share the best tactics when trying to get your client coverage. Hi, Veronica. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Of course. So let's start from the beginning. What drew you to journalism? Well, I always loved writing and I loved asking questions. And I was also fascinated by business and money. So all of these things together made up for a natural fit into business journalism. So I know that you focus predominantly on personal finance, as you've just said, you have a real passion for that field. Did you fall into this specific vertical or uh, how did you just kind of get involved in, in this particular beat? I was initially focused on wealth management. I was part of the wealth management group. That group was very focused on financial advisors and a professional audience, a very savvy, very uh, experienced in finance audience. And that group unfortunately fell apart um, because of various restructurings. Several of the people who were part of that group were repurposed into a reestablished personal finance section for the Wall Street Journal. And I was so excited because I had missed speaking to the consumer. I love consumer focused reporting. I love the professional audience too, absolutely. And that is where I grew up and where I trained, but the consumer is my true passion. And so personal finance at the Wall Street Journal is all about the consumer. How do people spend their money? How do they invest their money? How do they make smart decisions for retirement or on their taxes or when it comes to buying a house now or later? This is all the things we cover. And so I was super excited to be able to speak to consumers directly about all of those issues, whether it be in stories or videos or podcasts or television, all of those mediums serve the purpose of trying to help the consumer make better decisions. And I'm sure you have a vast majority of content right now to cover with just all of the, the stuff going on in the economy. And uh, it's, it's just a kind of a fascinating time. It's such a fascinating time, especially in the housing market, which I have a focus on these days. I really love that, trying to under understand what's going on, speaking to people about those issues. Uh, also, you know, if you're speaking to retirees, what are the things that they're concerned about? So there's so much happening, especially with inflation, as you know, that has made consumers' decisions so much more complicated. It's given us a lot of great storylines. You know, we're consumers too, so we have felt that inflation very much directly. For example, I have a 20-month-old son, and uh, that's part of the reason I was up a, a lot this weekend. But regardless, uh, I've seen inflation firsthand. The cost of daycare, my, my daycare costs went up $600. And so all of these things make, uh, make for painful times for consumers, but also really interesting storylines. Yeah, it really, it, it definitely is challenging, especially, you know, as one as a parent, but at just different points in life. So it, the content that you have, I'm sure covers with so many things that speak to so many different people yes. at different times in their life, helping them understand the challenges that are ahead. 
Um, speaking of challenges, you know, you're an advocate for women in the finance space, which is an industry that traditionally has been male dominated. Can you tell us a little bit more about how the obstacles women face and how they can overcome them? Women typically make less and they live longer. They're also more likely to have to take career breaks due to having a baby or more likely they're going to be the caregiver for their elderly parents or siblings. They're, they're often relied upon in these roles. A lot of these breaks happen during some of the peak earning years for women. So they're taking time away from their careers or having to take step back or taking pay cuts, what have you, cuts in hours during the time that they need the, mo the money the most and to set them up for retirement the most. All of us are super busy. Women especially are often under a lot of pressure from many directions and, and also all these societal messages to be like the perfect mother. You know, you see all these, these influencers on Instagram hold, you know, holding themselves up as having it all and no one has it all. So I, I think first we need to breathe and, and commend ourselves on making it this far, making it through the day. I know a lot of working women are just trying to get through the day, but to celebrate our successes and all the things we're doing right financially. There's always going to be something you wish you had done differently, a mistake you wish you had avoided, steps you had already, you wish you had taken. But the fact is, you're, I'm sure you're doing something right. So let's sit here and let's celebrate that. Let's find that thing and celebrate the thing you're doing right. In terms of the obstacles we're facing, some of them, as a woman, a standalone, a solo woman, you're not going to be able to overcome those yourself. I mean, these are societal challenges, lack of quality childcare, for example. Um, but there are steps we can take to individually try to shore up our financial future for ourselves and our families if we have them. You know, advocate for yourself when you can for more pay. Aim to keep our personal expenses low so we have more saved for emergencies and retirement ask for help when we can whether that's asking your sibling uh, to pick up some time uh, pick up some shift with your elderly parent and take them to the doctor this week instead of you taking them to the doctor this week so you can put more time in the office to work towards that promotion so you can make more money for your child's education all these things we have to face as trade-offs and sacrifices and negotiations about our, our own personal boundaries when it comes to our time and when it comes to our finances. But we need to learn how to advocate for ourselves and we have to hope that we can do so in a way that we're not going to face a penalty because that's another thing women have faced is a penalty for speaking out. And so how do we do so in a way that's not going to penalize us, but also advance our career? So there's a, a delicate dance we have to do, unfortunately, but it, it can be done looking for those people who have done it, looking to their stories for inspiration and, and hope and try to help the women behind us coming up behind us and make things better for them and and sharing our stories sorry i was just i'm still like a, women get paid less and live longer gutted me yeah. i was like oh my goodness yeah. of course because of course it's so true mm -hmm. so you're right it's, it's a double whammy it's a double whammy and we're most likely to give money to family to help them out right especially if you're a single single parent 
So there's a lot of financial pressures being put on you. You know, since you're making less, you're not only this not only affects you now, but it affects you down the road. Obviously, how much you can save for retirement, but how much you're going to get paid in Social Security. If you're making less money than the guys, you're going to get less Social Security down the road than the guys. So all these things have a multiplier effect that are very difficult on women's finances. And so we may have to hustle more a little bit than some other people. And so maybe that means taking on a side hustle, or maybe that means being super careful with our money in ways that oh, we, we don't necessarily want to be. Also being more active investors, you know, whether, and that doesn't mean, you know, trading stocks necessarily, that's not what I'm talking about, but maybe that's getting a meeting with a financial planner. Maybe that's speaking to our our friends about like how are you approaching your investments you know are you 60 40 60 percent stocks 40 percent bonds how are you thinking about uh how long you're gonna work ideally looking at your whole picture uh, making sure you've got the proper insurance to cover you and your family making sure you've got the guardianship pa papers set up for your child if you have them uh, making sure you've made all these decisions in advance uh, so your family doesn't have to scramble if something difficult was to happen. So there, there's a lot to do, but like I said, it can be done step by step and just take it one day at a time. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny, Veronica, when you said, you know, women live longer, I, I actually know why as a, a mom of a toddler myself, it's because we just have more things on our to-do list and we will <laughs> not rest until they are done. <laughs> live longer. That is so um, true. I'm not gonna even you know, ask like you how everything many... you yeah. said, you hit it right on the head. And it's, you know, it's a very interesting dynamic when you, you know, when you are a working parent, um, or even like you said, you're working and you have, you know, elderly parents that you're taking care of, mm -hmm. um, you know, because your priority and you're so used to this, especially, you know, earlier in your career, your number one and only priority is your job and your career and growing that. But then as, like you said, as you get into your career and you, you know, become more senior and become, you know, more of a, a, an expert in your space, that's when these other things come into play. So you essentially have to have this juggling act and try to balance it all out. Mm -hmm. I love how you, you basically said women literally can't even afford to die. And <laughs> it's so depressing. <laughs> uh. I mean, the hours you, you have to put in to get it all done. And as you know, the choices you have to make. So, you know, I'll joke with my friends. It's like, oh, I'll see you, you know, in three months from now. You know, like we text all the time. But when when will we actually get to see each other? Because we're, we're shuttling the kids around or we're trying to help out this relative or trying to keep the house together while having the, the super busy full-time job. And so often that the sacrifice is of ourselves and like what we want to do um, mm -hmm. in terms of social social time or a little fun that we want to have. I mean, obviously it can be done. None of us are martyrs here, but the point is many women I know put themselves last. And so when it comes to our money, it comes to our finances, we need to be able to put ourselves first, so to speak. So whether that's boosting our emergency savings or boosting our 401k contribution, a percentage just to do a little something for ourselves. So it's not all give, give, give. And then we turn, you know, 80 one day and we're like, okay, well, where'd my life go? And what do I have left to show for it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny that you say that because I actually do that myself. I've tried boosted up my 401k for, for that exact reason, you know, as Good much as you. 
I did. And I, as much as I want to be able to say, you know what, I'm just going to go get my hair blown out every week. Like that money can go, I'll save it for later. So when I'm 80 years old and have to have someone do my hair every week, then I don't feel so bad about it. Good for you. That is awesome. That's fantastic. So I want to change topics slightly. As a reporter for a prominent publication, you're pitched daily by lots of PR professionals. How how many pitches would you say in an average day do you receive? Mm, it depends. Average, I would say like 10 to 12. I'd say about 10 to 12 now. And I think that's less than when I first started because I think when you're new and people are trying to figure out what you do, you really get slammed with pitches. And then after a while, when you get more established, the hope is that you get more targeted pitches. Right. So you're, you're not getting as much coming across, but you're getting a higher quality of pitch. It, that's the hope, <laughs> not always the case, but that's the hope. And so the people I've worked with, some of the people I've worked with in PR, I've worked with for like years. And so they know what I'm looking for. Um, the newer people may, may cycle in, uh, maybe they joined a, an agency, they're right out of school or you know a recent transfer from another place. And they're trying to figure it out. So you might hear from those folks a little bit more, but it really depends on what you're covering too. I think that it's a manageable amount. I can't say that I respond to everything. I, right. Unfortunately, I don't. Um, but if I know you, I think that is a tip. If you know, have a relationship with a PR person, I, I'm going to a lot less likely ignore right. that email if I, if you know if, if I know your name and maybe we've had coffee or something like that. It's really hard to ignore someone that you've had coffee. With. Exactly. So for someone who yeah. is brand new and they're kind of working to establish that rapport with media, what are some ways that they could get your attention? Right. So sadly, I mean, I feel like so many pitches I get, especially from PR firms are not about news. Like they're, they're not, and this is what I challenge people who are new to PR and I've never done PR. So I probably shouldn't be speaking to this, but I'm just saying from the other side of the desk, you know, sometimes you get something you're like, you almost want to say to the PR person, like, would you want to read a story about that? Because Mm -hmm. I sure wouldn't. And so I would say, you know, ask yourself, is this a story? You know, what would you personally want to read a story about this? What is the, the arc here, so to speak? You know, I know it's tricky because I would imagine on the PR side, you have a client who's saying, oh, who did you pitch me to? Or I really want to be, I want to really be in the Wall Street Journal, make sure you pitch to them. But, and, and I get that, and you probably have to check some boxes, but I think you also have to play the long game. If there is not a story in this particular instance, do you do more harm to your client by, by scattering them across the winds, hoping somebody will, will bite on the non-story? Or do you play, you know, step back a little bit, try to be a bit more strategic and think, okay, when we really do have a story, who's the right reporter for it instead of just splattering something out. And that's what I see a lot of like newer PR people doing saying, Oh, write about this. It's like, okay, well, why? (laughs) Great point. Yeah. I think too, PR people need to, when it comes to a client, yes, our clients, of course, they want to be in wall street journal. So there's that sort of spray and pray approach that you know PR people do. They just kind of go into scission or muckrack and find all those reporters in Wall Street Journal and pray something sticks. But yeah, you're totally right. It's about making news when there isn't news. And I, I think that's that's super important. Yeah. 
Yeah. And unfortunately, because we're all so compressed for time, PR people and, you know, journalists, it, it's really hard just to be like, okay, I can meet with this random executive who's in town. Like maybe in worlds past, that would be easier, but I think we're all moving at such a pace. Like we're doing stories, we're doing videos, we're doing podcasts. We're, we're trying to think of our next project down the road, short-term projects and long-term projects. So just to have a coffee, just because someone's in town and they may not even be a fit to what you're doing on your beat, it just doesn't make sense time-wise. And so I, that really targeted pick, pitching um, makes a lot of sense. Now, obviously, if you're very friendly with a reporter and they have got a few five minutes and you've got this big wig in town, maybe they will make an exception and say like, okay, I can have a 10 minute coffee. Yes, I'm not saying that's impossible, but uh, right out of the gate with no relationship with that reporter and, and no seemingly news coming down from that meeting, it's probably going to be a really hard sell for them and their editor. I completely understand that. Um, you know, from our side of the desk, it's really interesting that you say that because I'm actually preparing to offer one of my clients uh, who was going to be in town. Uh, you know, we're going to to reach out to a few reporters, and it's a fairly new client. So, you know, talking to my team, you know, how are we going to approach this? And you know, again, you know, it's well, what news? Like, what are they going to talk about? Because in this day and age, no one's just going to come down from their desk to come and say hi. Um, right. You know, there needs to be a reason for this conversation that is compelling enough that a story will come out of it. It will be productive and, a, you know, worth your time. Um, you know, it's a different approach than I would take, you know, with the same type of project or same type of assignment five years ago, right. you know, then you could kind of say, all right, well, here are the top people that they should be talking to. And maybe you would get, you know, two or three journalists who were able to come and meet you and they would come and have lunch or have coffee. Um, you know, and that isn't isn't the case anymore. So you have to, for PR people, you have to be really strategic about the way that you're approaching, especially a journalist of a higher caliber and that works at a top tier publication, because like you said, you're getting many emails, you know, being pitched so many different things. You know, we want to figure out what's going to make something stand out to you and, and be worth your time. Right, exactly. And, and like, think of news in a broad sense. Like, obviously, there's there's like breaking news that you're going to do like a headline, a flash headline about, and it's going to be a, you know, a hardcore news story. Like some, you know, you're giving me an exclusive to someone, comp two big companies are merging, right? That's the ideal scenario. A lot of times, though, that's not going to be the case when it comes to some of the smaller clients. But maybe your, your smaller client is worth, uh, that person is worth having a meeting with because they can tell me like some of the interesting housing trends that I haven't necessarily thought about. Like if you're going to tell me like, oh, I, this, I see you're writing about housing a lot when it come, and how that relates to people's personal finance. And I have this great source who's in the mortgage industry and, and is seeing these three interesting things that you haven't written about and aren't being covered do you want to have a, a quick coffee about these trends? Maybe I'm not going to have a direct uh, news story, but I might eventually get a trend story out of it. That's going to be worth my time. Exactly. And that's exactly what I'm, I'm working on right now. Awesome. Uh, I just drafted that pitch. So I'm glad. Thank you for that reassurance that I, <laughs> you know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but no, you know what? It's, it's good to have these conversations because it gets sometimes, you know, even though we're setting up the, you know, the conversations and we're presenting you with them, you know, with the information and, and with the resources, you know, we don't always get the time to actually pick your brain in a, in a setting like this. So it actually is really, you know, helpful. And I'm hoping that our listeners feel the same way. 
Um, and that being said, one of our big questions is what is your biggest pet peeve when you're being pitched by a pre-art professional? What should we avoid that we've been doing? Oh gosh, you would be surprised. Uh, luckily, this isn't people that I work with regularly. Again, this is some new folks that are trying to break in. Uh, getting pitched a story I just wrote or recently wrote within the last three months. I, this just literally happened a week ago. Someone pitched me the almost exact story I'd written the month before. Oh my God. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, it's, you know, like, it's just like, I, I kind of laughed and I was like, I wrote, and they, they kept following up because I didn't write back. And that, that was like, intentionally, I didn't write back because I was like a little, uh. and so like, I, they, they followed up three times. And then finally on the third time, I just wrote back, I, I wrote that story recently. And then like they, I don't remember if they wrote back after that. And I'm not trying to be arrogant. It's just like, I just feel like it's just part of the job just to like, it's so easy to do a Factiva search these days or a Google search and just see, or just follow my name on wsj.com or LinkedIn. Like I, I post everything, like I don't hide my stuff. And so it's just, that is a little irksome. And I, I think other reporters would, say the same thing. Yeah, that's uh, super important. And I always tell anytime I'm helping a junior staff member, you know, learn their way around how to pitch, do your homework because, you know, it's media relations. You have to build a relationship with someone. So, you know, remember, I tell people, remember it the way that you, you know, you would remember your friend's birthday. You have to know about the journalists and if they've written about it already, okay, well, maybe they, you know, you still would be great to talk to their client, but you need to come up with that next piece. Right. Okay. You wrote about this. What's next? How can you right. build on that? Not just say the same thing. Exactly. You know, exactly. You're, you're not going to give your friend the gift that they gave you for your birthday. <laughs> That's a really good analogy. Yeah. You need to remember these things, but yes, it's, it's all about the relationship and that's part of it, you know, getting actually understanding and following what the reporters that you are targeting are working on. Yes. And Veronica, thanks to you in this conversation, you know, we're, we're certainly learning from the best in the business. Um, thank you so much for shedding light on how PR professionals can effectively get noticed by top tier media without causing them too much of a headache. <laughs> it was my pleasure. I really enjoyed the conversation. Great. And for our listeners out there, if you have any topic suggestions or questions for Jen and I, or just want to say hello, please feel free to email us at impressions at Until next time.